welcome back to SEMA's podcast. Y'all ready for this? Where we talk about all things emergency preparedness and emergency management to make sure that you and your family are ready for any type of natural or man-made disaster right here in Chatham County. This week, you guys, we are blessed to be joined by a powerhouse woman and a powerhouse nonprofit, Linda James of the Salvation Army. Linda, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I know she's giggling a little bit when I say powerhouse woman, but she really is. Anytime we need Salvation Army, anytime we need Linda, I call her. She will answer no matter what she's doing. Bless her soul. Um, She has just been amazing to work with. And we're so glad to finally get you on our podcast, Linda. I'm so excited. Glad to be here. Thanks. and Love to serve. Yes. Um, All right. And we are joined today also by SEMA's lead planner, Seth Sawyer. Seth, thanks for being here for round two of mass feeding. You bet. All right. So last week, we had the privilege of working with the American Red Cross and talking about their mass feeding strategy. And now we're bringing in our next big guns and talking with Salvation Army about mass feeding and what that looks like after a disaster. And that is incredibly timely, given what's going on in Louisiana right now. And hopefully, Linda, you'll be able to give us a little bit of details about what Salvation Army's kind of strategy is looking like for feeding down in Louisiana and what you guys might be doing. Absolutely. Um, uh, we're actually in the process of uh, sending our canteen down um, probably tomorrow. Wow. So going to be some quick turnaround time with the storm that just came in over the weekend. And we're going to be able to send that out. That's really, really neat. All right. So we, like I said, we're going to be talking about mass feeding today, a little bit about what that strategy looks like. Linda, let's start with some of the same questions that we had for Red Cross, just kind of do like a comparison and a, I guess a contrast to see kind of what some of those differences are. Can you talk about first about how your food is prepared by your organization and how do you decide what's on the menu? Well, um, really depends upon the resources that we have. Um, there are vendors that we utilize um, that probably already have prepared menus that we've talked about well in advance. Um, and then we look um, in terms of what size the disaster is and what the need is. And then uh, we plan from there. Um, we do have um, chefs or cooks that are on staff that, depending on the size of the event, um, will help with a, that. But if it is a bigger event, uh, such as the, the Hurricane uh, Ida in Louisiana, um, we work with our community partners, um, Southern Baptists, um, that would help provide uh, feeding as well. Um, so it could look two different ways. We could have individuals, uh, organizations that help prepare the food and we serve it. Um, and then we prepare the food and serve it ourselves. Nice. So Linda, how do you deliver food to the community? We have what we call mobile canteens, which are full uh, filled kitchens. Uh, we can prepare thousands of meals off of the, the mobile canteens. Um, They're equipped with ovens, Uh, grills, stoves, refrigerator, um, freezers, so that we can supply enough food probably to serve about 3,000 meals a day off of one canteen. Wow. Wow. Listeners, if you guys haven't seen one of their field canteens, it is absolutely amazing to see what that giant truck coming in with all of these ovens and everything inside of it. It's, It's amazing to see. And it's nothing like just a relief feeling when you see one of those roll up to a disaster site because you know you're about to get some really fantastic meals heading your way. So those are really awesome trucks that are just massive in size. 
Linda, do you have to have like something special to drive one of those? They're so big. Um, absolutely uh, not with an emergency vehicle. They anybody that has just a regular C driver's license can drive it. Um, although there are numbers of uh, people that are a little scared of it <laughs> because yeah. it's so big. Um, but it's fairly easy to drive. Um, just the size of it is the daunting task of getting it around those corners without flipping something. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. I was just thinking. I I don't know that I would want to be responsible for driving that, Linda. <laughs> I don't fun. think I would. Oh my goodness. Right. So how do you determine where your food delivery trucks go? I mean, we could talk about whether it would be in Chatham County, or if you want to use Ida as an example, what helps you make that determination? Well, first of all, in Chatham County, um, of course, we work with SEMA. Um, we work with um, the people that are on the ground that know where the need is. Um, and so once that uh, information is formulated, then it's, it's brought down to the Salvation Army in terms of where we need to be. We also work with the Red Cross um, in feeding their shelters as well. So in conjunction with the EFS-6, we all work together in terms of determining where that, that is um, going to be and what the areas are that are hardest hit. So kind of using that damage assessment. So listeners, we've talked about damage assessment in the past. So using some of that data to kind of drive where the biggest need might be. That's really smart, Linda. I like that. Exactly. And, um, you know, of course, we're, you know, depending upon hurricanes or what the situation is, uh, we also work with the police department, the fire department on other small scale um, events that happen in our community. Um, as far as um, getting the information of where we need to go um, outside of Chatham County, we work through our divisional headquarters that in turn works with our territorial disaster services. And so um, early on last week, we were having conversations about this in terms of what um, the hurricane would bring, but we would um, listen to them and then they are already requesting units to come in um, after the storm hits so that they could get there as soon as possible um, and on the ground to serve. So Linda, on a typical disaster operation, uh, how often are your mobile canteens out in the field? Are they breakfast, lunch, and dinner or what's the strategy you guys use? Typically beginning, um, we support the critical work for staff. Um, and we probably are out there all three meals in order to do that. But once the hurricane um, hits or the event happens, uh, we tend to sort of uh, go back and say, we're going to provide at least one hot meal a day, um, probably sandwiches or something like that during lunch. And then we will provide snacks and, uh, you know, muffins and donuts and things like that for the morning so that our groups can, you know, go back and uh, get their canteens cleaned and um, get them loaded again to go right back out. So it's like an all day adventure when they go out. So they start in the morning and then they're bringing sandwiches and hot meals. So it, it, it don't really have time for a break, really, the people that are driving your canteen. Uh, not really. And that's why it's uh, very important for us to have individuals that are not on the canteens that are back preparing and making sure that we have the resources in place in order to stock those canteens to go right back out. Wow. Wow. Well, so Linda, how do you guys pay for the food? You know, if someone that's maybe sitting in Chatham County right now listening, but they want to be able to help with what's going on in Louisiana, could you donate to that? How does, how do you guys accept donations? 
Absolutely. Um, of course, the Salvation Army has 1-800-SAL-ARMY. You can donate that way. Um, you can send a check here to the local Salvation Army and just earmark it for Hurricane Ida um, or any other disaster that you want to earmark it for. Um, and those donations and, and how we provide those services are um, strictly donations from the community. Wow. So no government funding, nothing like that. I mean, really, it's just the goodness of people's hearts that want to be able to, to help those that are in need. Exactly. Um, you know, most, you know, we work with other partner agencies um, like United Way that might have some funding. But there again, that money comes through public donations. And, and so, you know, having uh, living here in Chatham County all my life, Chatham County has been a, a benevolent community and so has supported those um, events uh, very well. And we've been able to do what we've been asked to do. Wow. So we talked about the financial donations, but can people donate their time to help as well? Um, and should they join now or do they need to wait until an incident occurs to become part of the team? That's the, that's the million dollar question. Uh, Yes, they should join now. Um, oftentimes during a disaster, you get a lot of um, people that mean well that show up at a disaster that doesn't, you know, re we really don't know where to put them until we actually can assess what they're able to do and things like that. And so um, the Salvation Army has a training program where we provide um, training uh, in disaster, whether it might be um, incident command, food service, canteen service, uh, spiritual and emotional support, um, those types of uh, trainings that we have. And we can provide them now before um, it's needed. Um, and that's the best thing for individuals to do. If they're interested in, in volunteering with that disaster work, contact the local Salvation Army here um, for any training times and things that we put together that um, you could be ready and um, able to serve at the time as needed. Yeah, I mean, and do you guys send people outside of the area as well? So if someone wanted to deploy to the next hurricane, they might not get trained in time for an Ida response, but if they wanted to help with the next one, is that something that they could, you know, go ahead and get ready and train for now? Yes, they can. Uh, matter of fact, one of the individuals that we have going um, on this deployment um, is actually took training uh, two months ago, and uh, he's very excited about having the opportunity to go. Wow. So it sounds like there's a lot of awesome things that you guys could get involved in with the Salvation Army, be able to deploy across the country, I guess, if you really wanted to. That's a, it sounds like a pretty awesome experience, guys. Listeners, if you're interested, definitely hit up Linda with the Salvation Army so you can get engaged. Definitely. Right. Is there anything else, Linda, that you would like to mention about mass feeding or other services that the Salvation Army provides that you think our listeners would benefit from knowing about? Uh, I think so. Um, again, I mentioned the training that we provide, um, whether it's in food service or a spiritual and emotional support. Um, but we do emergency communications. There's a, um, an organization called Saturn within the Salvation Army that provides um, a worldwide network to volunteer that volunteers work amateur radio. Um, in Katrina, it was used tremendously in trying to locate family members that were all over the country at that time and, and were very successful at that. Um, we provide disaster social services after the storm has passed and um, things are getting um, sort of uh, 
the chaos within the chaos is sort of getting sorted out. Um, the Salvation Army provides social services to provide basic needs to individuals, um, whether that may be food, clothing, um, household items, you know, those types of things. And then we also provide donation management within all of that. So um, we're quite busy. And the one thing I do want to say is that, uh, you know, traditionally an organization is in and then as soon as the storm is over and everything's taken care of, they're out. The Salvation Army is in the community and stays in the community. Um, and so those um, individuals that are needing long-term uh, long care as a result of the event, um, then the Salvation Army's here to hopefully meet those needs as well. Absolutely. So FEMA always says that disasters start and end local, and that is a thousand percent true with the Salvation Army. They are local, they're here from the beginning, and then even working through that long-term recovery process. I have worked with Linda for years now, still recovering from Matthew and Irma and, and Dorian and all the challenges that we've seen. We're still working cases together to, to help individuals recover. So Salvation Army is here from the beginning, middle and end, and they're gonna stay here. And I think that's awesome. Um, so you guys, if listeners, if you're interested and you want to get engaged with the nonprofit, this is a fantastic one to get in, get involved in. And Seth, I feel like you're definitely going to want to look up Saturn because I feel like that's like right up your alley. <laughs> I never knew that, you know, Salvation Army had their amateur radio people. Of course they do. Now that I think about it, of course they do. But I'm sure Seth's going to like just go home and Google that at this point. Like <laughs> Already aware. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's already like, oh man, I'm already into it. I got to do it. I love it. All right. Thank you so much, Linda, for your time today. I certainly learned something about the Salvation Army. Listeners, I hope you guys did as well. Linda, thank you for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, listeners, this is uh, round two of our mass feeding. So now you guys are so much more informed about what happens after disaster when it comes to feeding. We talked about sheltering. We've talked about damage assessment. We're still working through this recovery field. Be sure to join us next week when we meet with Glenda Anderson with the Savannah Heritage Emergency Response to learn about what some of our historic areas need to do to make sure that they can recover after a disaster. We'll talk to you then. Bye guys. <laughs>